welcome to Life Lessons with Dr. Steve Schell. For 20 years, Dr. Steve's 30-minute radio program, Life Lessons, was heard throughout the United States. Committed to comprehensively teaching through entire books of the Bible, Pastor Steve pulls out the deep, eternal truths in each section of Scripture without skipping over the challenging passages. He applies what is learned clearly and practically so that we're inspired not to just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. Father, would you open our ears? It is your voice we want to hear. Would you open our eyes to see the things of God? Would you, we bring to you soft hearts. That which is your word, that which is true, we surrender to it and we embrace it. I pray for the grace, Lord, to really be out of the way and to allow us to hear from you. Would you disciple your people? Would you feed your people and strengthen us all, Lord? that we might serve you and be fruitful in this generation. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you today about the subject of, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but in particular about ministering the gift of speaking in tongues. This is not a, a, a sermon you've heard a lot of. <laughs> a, lot of a lot of sermons on how to minister speaking in tongues. I did one before. Uh, I found I did one in 1997. So I'm, I'm not exactly in a rut, you might say, of, of, of doing this. Uh, but, I have, but I do believe very much the need for it, and I'll explain that in the message today. Uh, the reason I'm teaching you this, if we believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is as important as, as Jesus thinks it is, <laughs> if we believe that every believer not only needs to repent and believe in Jesus Christ, but to genuinely receive the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. And that that's not just a theology, that that is a real encounter with the power of God that transforms the life. If we really believe that, then it's just not okay to lead someone to Christ and not lead them into that step. Is it? You see, we lead people. And yet the, the tendency is to say, well, pray this prayer. There, you're a Christian. Hallelujah. You know. and, and what are our instructions? Well, read the Bible, go to church, you know, and stay out of trouble. See you in heaven. And that, that's kind of, you know, give them a slap on the back and off they go. If we believe that the power of the Holy Spirit, this indwelling power, like Paul does, that this is essential for our victory over the flesh, how on earth can we possibly be producing people that don't have that? And then wonder why people fail. Wonder why they start off in their Christian life and then come crashing down. And years later, you can't find people. One of the painful truths of these stadium events of evangelism is that five years later, the percentage of people who are still going to church or, or, or still walking in any open Christian way is so small. It's one point something percent. It's just tragic because they are not taught. They are not followed up on. This is the lesson that any pastor, anyone who really is in, in this thing, you learn this. It, it isn't enough to get somebody to say yes. You have to... If, 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 you have to nurture them. You take them along and teach them to walk with God. If you're a fisherman, you instantly become a shepherd when you catch your first fish. You follow what I'm saying? You catch a fish, you now turn into a shepherd. What, what did the Lord say to Peter, the great, the great fisherman? 
Yeah, he said, I'll make you fishers of men. And then he said, feed my sheep. <laughs> so, so catch them and then feed them. That's how it goes. And that's not just for somebody else to do. That's for each of us. We got to own this. And I realize that if, if this is left to just a few people who can minister the baptism of the Spirit and help somebody step into speaking in tongues, if there's only a few people, this will never spread. It'll always be bottlenecked. It'll always be stuck because there's just never enough people to care for people. I have met individuals who can minister the baptism of the Holy Spirit to a lot of people all at once. John and Sonia Decker can do that. And uh, we've actually had an event here uh, years ago at Northwest where they came and we had a weekend. And in that weekend, they led 200 people into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I'm in awe. But I can't do that. And, and, I, and my own experience of it is, is I'm so frequently having to help people and minister to people through the process. That I can't just sort of and they get it. That I need to, to help them. And then they do get it. They receive all of this. And so what I'm going to do is, is give you how I lead someone into the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how I, how I pray for them to, to receive the gift of tongues. And my point is to empower you to do it. What I'm saying is, the next time you lead somebody to the Lord, I want you to lead them all the way in to the fullness of the Spirit. I want this to be part of what you do as well. Don't just say, well, now you need that too and I can't help you. You lead them right on in. If nothing else, you take this out and go, all right, step one. <laughs> it's a menu. Just do it. All right? All right, here we go. Ministering the gift of tongues. What could be more frustrating than to love God and long to please him, but be unable to control myself, to, to do things I don't want to do, say things I don't want to say, think things I don't want to think, or feel emotions I don't want to feel? How long? Would it take for someone trapped in that condition of wanting to do the right thing, but being out of control before he or she decided they couldn't live with that constant disappointment anymore? At what point would the sense of failure and shame become unbearable? How many times can a person apologize and promise to stop before those words sound hollow and they become convinced that they must be a hypocrite? Look, over the years, I've watched a couple of individuals, I can tell you their names, who've actually left the faith for another one. And that's only recently. That's, I, that's been stunning. I have never in my entire years of ministry, which is 40-some years, I have never seen anybody go into Satanism or whatever, you know. This is what I've seen. I've seen people become Christians and then because of some addiction, try to stop try to obey, try to become the kind of person they, they know they want, they want to be, and then not be able to stop, and in the frustration of it all, after a while, throw up their hands and say, I'm not made out of the right stuff, apparently. I can't do this thing. And angrily withdraw from their Christianity out of frustration, out of failure. Do you hear me? This is the danger point. To bring someone to Christ, but not help them find how to live victoriously. To let their heart suddenly awaken so they want to please God and then not give them the power to do so. so. It's a terrible frustration where we've left people and I have seen numerous people backslide because of that. I'm sure this threshold of despair 
varies from person to person, but it's very dangerous to leave someone trapped in that spiritual condition. It tends to sour people and make them hostile toward themselves, God, and other believers. You'll find they get, they get angry, they may get angry at themselves. Uh, as I've said, just this whole thing, oh, I don't know what's wrong with me, I'm just not made out of the right stuff. I mean, this is fine for people like you, but there's something wrong with me. And so they get this, this thing there. Or it's the, God, I've called out to you a thousand times to help me stop this, and you haven't. I don't know why you won't help me. And so everything's upward at him. He, why has he failed me? Or it's they get angry at us. And, you know, you may not have said one word to them about, about what's going on, but they'll say, you hypocrites, you're all just judging me. You're all, you know, you're all, you're all just looking at me and criticizing me. Fact is, we haven't thought of you in months. <laughs> if you want to get real honest, we, we didn't. Yeah, like, what it is, is projection. It's transference. And this, this guilty conscience is just gnawing and, and, and just making them miserable. And so they turn their guns on everybody else and say, it's your fault, you hypocrites, you judgmental people. It's all you. And, and they're living with that. But it does bad things. However it is, it sends this and, and sours this personality. It tends to sour people and make them hostile to themselves, God, and other believers. But this is the, this is the danger to which we subject people if we lead them to faith in Jesus Christ, but don't help them receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Or don't teach them how to draw on the power they have been given. Romans 7, Romans 8. That's exactly what Paul is doing, is teaching that. Of course, the Lord deeply loves his children and will teach each one as much as possible. I mean, he'll directly go after it in every way he can. But in some situations, that person may be given no real understanding of the Bible, nor have the opportunity to observe someone who's a mature believer. They have no resources. They're just left on their own. They're left to try to discover for themselves how to overcome the impulses of the flesh, resist the temptations of the devil, and turn away from the pleasures of the world. And even though it is unfair to leave someone stranded in that condition, deprived of the very resources they need to live their new Christian life successfully, it happens all the time. People pray the sinner's prayer and mean it with all their heart. But no one lays hands on them to help them welcome the Holy Spirit to dwell inside them. Nor does anyone teach them what to do when the next temptation arrives. Some may be even taught a doctrine that says if they are really saved, they won't experience any more temptations because they are now a new creation. But that is a misuse of that verse and sets a person up to become quickly confused and doubt their salvation. People will take 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He says, and I'm going to quote it, or I'm going to translate it in a minute and later in the text. And we say, look, all things, it doesn't say all things become new. It says, uh, you are a new creation. New things have come. Old things have passed away. And we say, see, you're new. All of you is new. Well, that person is then dealing with still thoughts, temptations, impulses. And, but they're told they're not supposed to have those because now they're new. 
And so I, I talked with one man who, who, who teaches this, and, uh, and I said, so where does this stuff come from? I said, because if what you're saying is true, I'm not saved. Uh, because I, I still have to battle temptation and the flesh and stuff like that. I mean, so, so don't you? He said, well, yeah, I do. I said, well, where do you think it comes from then? I mean, where are we getting all this stuff? I said, and then he, he kind of didn't know. And I said, well, how about, so I helped him. I said, how about demons? He says, yeah, that's it, demons. And so basically with that theology, you're this perfect person and demons are just hammering you left and right. I think that's a pretty ugly world to live in <laughs> and makes Jesus a pretty weak savior. There are demons, absolutely. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You know, I, I keep saying to people when we get into the demon thing, big, big Jesus, little devil. Because if you're not careful, you get a big devil and a little Jesus. And you spend all your time with demons. Don't do that. Our, greater is he. Our God is stronger. He's the maker of heaven and earth. The devil is nothing but a created spirit. He's trouble. He is, and we have given him opportunity in the human race. But our God, our God is, is vastly greater than he is in every way. Hopefully, you and I will be leading people to Jesus Christ for the rest of our lives. So we would be wise if we don't already know how to learn to minister the baptism of the Holy Spirit to others and then to instruct them how to walk in the Spirit. The result will be the joy of watching people come out of darkness and lead successful and fruitful lives. Three gifts. As we saw in an earlier study, the new you, God's plan is to give each of us three gifts. Number one, forgiveness for our sins. Would you say forgiveness for our sins? sins. Number two, a new heart that wants to please him. Would you say a new heart that wants to please him? And number three, the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit who will enable us to do what our obedient hearts would want to do. Would you say that? The indwelling power of the Holy Spirit who will enable us to do what our obedient hearts want to do. I have not in this text taken you to it, but we've dealt with this. I've been mentioning it over and over again in this whole series on the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel 36, that that Ezekiel 36, verse 25, 26, and 27, is just a wonderful outline, as it were. First of all, he says, I will sprinkle you and clean you. I'll forgive your sins. Second of all, he says, I will take out the heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. I will, I will change, I'll put a new spirit within you, a new human spirit. I'll take out this Adamic spirit and I will put it within you, a, a spirit that wants to please me. So he, and he literally says, I will do this. doesn't say you will do this. And I'll have more to say on that. God says, I will do this. I will come inside you. I'm going to take that thing out. I'm going to put a new heart in you. And then the third step, verse 27, he says, and I will put my, my spirit. Now it's not a spirit. Now it's my spirit. I will put my spirit inside you. And the word cherev in, 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 in the Hebrew means inside your body cavity. Literally does. That's exactly what the word means. Inside your very body. So I will cleanse you new heart, and fill you with my spirit. Do you see that? Those are three essential steps. Each of these three gifts is vital to our success. A person receives forgiveness for their sins by repenting 
and believing in Jesus Christ. Repentance at its root is the decision to completely surrender ourselves to God. We acknowledge his right to be our Lord and hand over to him the control of our lives. We fully expect him to bring every area into obedience to his word until we become like his son in our attitudes, our morals, and our service to others. And when you signed up, they, they, I don't know if they told you this, but that's the bargain. When you surrender to Jesus, he's going to take your life and mine. He's going to clean it up. He doesn't just love you the way you are. He loves you in spite of the way you are. <laughs> God's plan is that we become like him, like his son. Well, that's the course. That's the predestined plan. That's where predestination really comes to play. That is the predestined plan, is that we become conformed to the image of his son. You and I are on our way to becoming glorious children of God that shine like the sun in immortal bodies and rule with Christ. I mean, what God has planned for us is virtually beyond words. It's amazing what his plan for us is. But it starts now. We understand that he has a plan for us, which almost certainly differs from our own. But we so trust him that we want him to make the vital, the critical decisions about our future. Our belief in Jesus centers around his cross and resurrection. We literally place our eternal destiny in his hands. We believe that he is God's divine son who became a man, lived a sinless life, showed us the true heart of God, died as the sacrifice for the sins of the world, and was raised in a glorious immortal body. For us, believing these truths is far more than simply acknowledging them to be historical facts. We recognize that they demand that we rest the full weight of our hope for eternal life upon them. Jesus becomes our only hope for a right standing with God. Does that make sense? When you, put, when you put your trust in Jesus, doesn't mean you just sort of, yeah, I think that stuff's true about him. You cling to his cross. Every one of us in this room is dying. We, there come a point where we're going to die. You're going to be right up, face up with death. What are you going to call on? What is your hope at that moment? When there's nothing there, but, but, but like, oh boy, I wonder what's on the other side. Here we go. At that moment, what are you going to cling to? I'm going to tell you what I'm clinging to. I'm clinging to Jesus Christ. Now you say, well, how do you know? That's the one I'm clinging to. You want to cling to something else? Go ahead. I'm clinging to him. Of all the saviors, of all the voices, of all the people that I see anywhere in human history. And I actually have a degree, believe it or not. I got a double major in college. I, I, have, I know other religions. You want to go with those? Fine, you want to become a drop in the great Aum, go ahead. I'm hanging on to Jesus. That's what I'm going to do. This is what, this is, you're putting your full weight on him in your faith. You're trusting him and him alone. When a person becomes righteous through faith in Jesus, the barrier of sin that separates that person's spirit from God is completely removed. All judgment against that person ceases and God, in his loving delight toward his newly adopted child, gives him or her every spiritual resource. The moment that that person is joined to his son, the rebellious, selfish, 
independent heart that had been passed from Adam and Eve to every succeeding generation is removed by a sovereign work of God. Those destructive forces that once held that person inescapably in its grip are broken and God places inside that person a new spiritual orientation. They now love him and want to please him. As Paul said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation, the old previous things passed away, behold, they have become new. Why don't you read that with me out loud? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation, the old previous things passed away, behold, they have become new. What God promised to Moses, that he would circumcise your heart, and the heart of your seed to love him with all your heart and your soul so that you may live. And then reinforced through Jeremiah and Ezekiel. We, we have talked about those prophecies of Jeremiah. Uh, that's the new covenant prophecy of Ezekiel that I just quoted you moments ago. And others has now become real through Jesus Christ. At last, the circumcision of the heart is, quote, made without hands. That's Paul's words. When he says that, when the Bible speaks of made without hands, it means God will do it without any human help at all. He will sovereignly and solely accomplish this. And so Paul is speaking of the circumcision of the heart. In, in the Hebrew thinking, that is the, the, the bringing the heart cutting away the flesh and bringing the heart into submission to the righteousness of God. And Paul says that's made without hands. Say made without hands. Made without hands. I love that. It means God will do it even though I'm not smart. I'm not smart enough to do it. I'm, <laughs> I, I would have all kinds of second thoughts about this. God will circumcise my heart. He will give me a new heart. He'll take out a stony heart and put in a heart of flesh is the way Ezekiel says it. So the threats of the law become unnecessary. That person already wants to do the right thing and needs only the power to withstand the flesh and the devil and the knowledge of how to access that power when the attacks come. Once a person has been forgiven and their heart transformed, what they need next is to receive the gift of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Even though God gave them all things at the moment when they believed in his son, his gift, this gift, needs to be received in such a way that he or she knows for sure that the spirit has come to dwell inside and has taken their first step into the gifts of the spirit, particularly the spoken gifts of prophecy and speaking in tongues. This brings us back to the subject of this lesson. Are you following? A person needs all three of those things that Ezekiel lays out so beautifully. We need, we need to be cleansed and know that we're forgiven. We need God's, and, and he will do this. If I'm, if I'm sincere, if I sincerely surrender and, and, and repent, if I believe in his son Jesus, I will have that, heart pull, that stony heart pulled out and I'll have a new one put in uh, without no questions asked. See that? Now we've left the person who's really prayed the sinner's prayer. This is where they are. They love him. They want to please him. They are a child of God. Their sin is removed. They are not standing before God in any form of sin. 
but they don't know how to resist the temptations. They don't, nor have they necessarily, they have been given the Holy Spirit in full. Absolutely. But the, the giving of it and the receiving of it are two things. We've been saying that. Have you heard me? There's the divine side and the human side. There's the pouring out by heaven and there's the drinking by the human. There's the breathing out by he of heaven and there's the inhaling, you might say, by the human. There's a receiving. You and I have a responsibility to receive. And when we do, this, 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 this coming of the Spirit is not just a theology. Well, he's with you now. Trust me. Oh, if the creator of heaven and earth comes and lives inside you, I think you should notice. This is not a game. It's real. And you'll know. How? You'll know. However it is, you'll know that you know that you know. Wow, God came. He's living inside me. Helping others receive the gift of tongues. There is no formula by which a person can cause someone else to speak in tongues. But many people do need some level of personal help when it comes to receiving this gift. What follows are seven steps that often need to be considered when helping someone who desires to speak in tongues. Number one, assess where the person is spiritually. Are they saved? And if so, for how long? You, you, believe it or not, there are people who sometimes will come and want a, want a gift or want, want, you to, want you to pray for them, but if you ask, they really aren't saved yet. And honestly, I've actually seen seasons in, church, in the history of the, of the Pentecostal movement where we almost, like, well, whatever about salvation, but let's get you baptized in the Spirit. No, 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 no. Let's go back and get you saved. And you follow this? Don't, don't skip that step. That is, in fact, that's, that step is... You, you can't even have this till that's done. Uh, so, so never, never pass that first step uh, for how long? Have they already had a powerful encounter with God? Now, here's where I'm going with that. And you'll talk with some people, though they don't speak in tongues. They have indeed had some very powerful moments in their lives. And even transformative moments. I'm going to make a distinction, and, and I, I'll just, this, is, this is what I believe the longer I've been at this. I believe that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe it is a coming of the power of God. I actually think it is when God indwells our body. I think he's with us, and then I think he comes in us. That's what I think. There are many people who will have had, I think, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but they don't yet speak in tongues. I do not equate speaking in tongues with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe every person who's baptized in the Holy Spirit can and should speak in tongues because it's a wonderful gift. You so want this. And I want you to have it. I mean, we, the Lord wants you to have it. So absolutely, I, I think everyone should. But I think that if we focus only on the tongues and make it the end all and be all of the thing, and the Pentecostal world has done this, they have more or less said that speaking in tongues is the baptism, and so the whole goal is to sit you in a chair and get you to say something in another language. And whether or not you've had a power encounter in the process, if, you can, if we can get you to say something another language, you, by, you, you therefore have it. And so what's happened with the Pentecostal world, and this has become, I think, a great negative, is to sit people in a chair and say, okay, here we go, and, and you, you know, come on, and you sort of massage them around a bunch, and, and, and then say, now, now say something. 
you know? And, uh, 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 and, and then I, even they'll do this, they'll suggest something like, say, say I, I should have bought a Honda. I, I, I could have bought a Honda, you know? I'm serious, I didn't make that up. Yeah, I, and so just say a lot, come on. Should have bought a Honda, should have bought a Honda, should have bought a Honda. Uh, I'm just telling you, this happens. And what happens is the next day, that poor person wakes up, and, they, and indeed they went, should have bought a Honda, should have bought a Honda, should have bought a Honda. And then the people go, see, you've got it, yes, you've got it, yes. Got what? You, you see, they wake up the next day and they say, what did they just do to me? Was that God? I'm going to tell you something. When you're really baptized in the spirit, you do not wake up the next morning and say, what did they do to me? You do not say, was that God? You could wake up the next morning and go, oh, Jesus, I love you. I'm, I'm arguing for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That, that would there be a ministry of the, of the sweet power and presence of the Lord to that person? That however long it takes and whatever needs to happen, that person has a genuine encounter with God. And yes, one of the things they can do is be in tongues. But I would suggest that there are people who have had such an encounter. It's children, who knows when. That were very real. And to discredit those things and say, well, that's nothing because you didn't say, you're talking another language. That's this Pentecostal hang-up. And it needs to stop. Let's just honor what happened. So listen to the person. What has happened to you? And, they, and so many times you're going to find yourself dealing with somebody and they, they already exhibit the, the working of the Spirit in so many ways. Prophetic ways, guidance, all sorts of stuff. They're moving in the Spirit. And, and so to say, well, you don't have it yet because you don't, you don't say shit about a Honda. You know? That's ridiculous. That needs to stop. Let's just honor it. But let, but what, so what am I, what's my job now with you if, who've had this? My job with you is just to help you Step out in the gift of speaking in tongues. Do you see that? That's what I want with you. I'm not trying to get you the Holy Spirit. You know, he's, he, that's not my job. My job is just help you with this. Do they understand the purpose of tongues? What have they been taught about speaking in tongues? You do have to ask that question because some churches just hammer this uh, in teaching against it. Do they understand the purpose of tongues? Is the power of the Holy Spirit present at that moment? In other words, don't just go from a cold stop, start. You know, don't sit there and, and, when, when, you know, and, and be aware is the presence and power of God there with you. If not, it would be best to worship and praise freely until the atmosphere changes. Is there any physical evidence that the, uh, that the Spirit has already begun to move upon this person, such as weeping, trembling, weakness, exuberant joy, a consciousness of God's presence, unusual for, uh, freedom in worship or prayer, a spontaneous confession of sin? Is God apparently at work in this person? You, you become aware, you watch. Does he or she need to be baptized with the Spirit or has that event already happened and what they need from you is help merely to receive tongues, as I've said. Number two, explain that speaking in tongues is inspired speech, not compulsive speech. Tell them that they must actively engage their tongue, lips, breath, etc. 
If they will begin to make sounds, the spirit will form those sounds into words to speak. Those words seem to rise from the belly. They are not invented in the mind. This is a really important step. And many people who said, I've tried for years, pastor, and I, or whatever, I can't receive this. What they mean is they've asked God, Lord, I'd like to have this gift. And then they do this. And they're waiting for this spirit to kind of take them and go through them, you know. Let me make a real clear distinction. The devil does stuff like that. The devil does compulsive speech. There's automatic handwriting. There's, 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 you know, the seances, the whole thing. If you've ever been around any of that, there is this compulsive takeover of the person. And there's something, I think, in the human mind that seems to think that's what this is. But you see, the Holy Spirit is very different. He is now coaching the children of God. He's training the children of God to praise their father. His point isn't to somehow take over you. He gives you the words in your spirit to speak. You, this is the way, this is our holy God. He's a holy, pure, clean, good God. He, he, He doesn't do that icky stuff. Does he ever come strongly on people? Yes. And children, new believers often, it happened to me. But it's, even then, it's just, the, it's just an, oh, there's so much power that the, that the person responds. It's beautiful. But don't, you've got to help that person pass this thing where they go and are waiting for the thing to hit them. They must use their breath, their tongue, their lips. They must speak, and then the spirit will, will come. And one more point I want to make. You do not invent words in your mind at all. In fact, you'll find when you're speaking in tongues, you can actually be doing all kinds of other things and pay no attention whatsoever to what you're saying. It flows. Uh, you can drive, you can read, you can, you, can do, you can wash dishes, you can do whatever you want to do while you're speaking in tongues and be completely uh, uh, unaware of where the words come from. They seem to come, in, uh, this is my experience, they seem to come from the belly. It seems to rise up, not be something you concoct here. Let me give you an interesting illustration. My mother uh, had a, 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 um, a, a, what do you call it, a a seizure, no, well, a heart attack and a stroke, Stroke. both. And uh, in the process, she couldn't speak well afterwards or, or think much in a straight line. There'd be moments she'd kind of be there, but then she'd be gone, and so it was in and out. Every so often, I would go over, and I, and I, I, mean, I no, I went over all the time, but I, every so often I'd say to her, why don't we speak in tongues? And uh, so I'd start, you know, she's there in a chair. I, I, I'd start, and I'd I'm just praying away. And my mom watched me a minute, and then she'd go, off she'd go in tongues. She can't talk English, but she can flow in tongues. Go figure that. Isn't that interesting? It comes from somewhere else. I'm just telling you. And, it, and this is the thing about I should have bought a Honda. It, it, <laughs> I'm not letting that go. It comes from what you're doing is concocting stuff here. And that's the wrong place. You don't concoct it. And that's also the problem for some people who are very analytical and 
<laughs> they're analyzing and listening to every word. Is that really a language? You know, they're just all stuck in the brain. They're, you have to let these, the spirit give you words. And then by faith, you trust him and you speak those words. And a flow does come. You'll sense the flow. But there's that steps that must be taken. Number three. Explain, here's what we're going to do. We'll pray, specifically thanking God for giving you this gift when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then we will ask him to help you receive what already belongs to you. Lay your hand on, or hands, on their forehead or the back of their head. Ask permission before you do this. And if they prefer that you not, remember that it is not necessary to lay hands since Jesus is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Now, I will confess one thing I will do occasionally with men. Uh, another man is I might put my hand on their belly uh, and just pray that. But only on a man. Tell them. I'm going to begin speaking in tongues loud enough to give you some privacy. And then I would like you to place your thoughts on Jesus. See, you want their mind off of this. So they're not sitting there just listening to themselves. Focus on Jesus and speak to him. Not in your own language, but with those words that will well up from within you. Explain that they need to be willing to make sounds that aren't words they recognize. This is the, this is the difficult step. This is the hard, frightening step for some of us, and it was for, for me years ago, is that step of, of letting go of my language and saying something I'm not in control of. That's the, that's the painful barrier. At some point, if they will take that step, they'll sense a flow of words being given to them by the Holy Spirit. I'll give you an example. We had a uh, we used to have a thing called the Holy Spirit Nights, and we would just pray for people. Uh, people could either, either worship, we'd have people lying all over the floor and worshiping, and then we'd also be praying for people for the baptism of the Spirit, or frankly, whatever they needed. And we had a number of prayer ministers, and we had some people up here acoustically leading worship, uh, just beautifully leading us in the Spirit. And then for a couple of hours, uh, people just came forward if they wanted ministry, or, or they raised their hand, and we'd come back and sit beside them. I had, I had one woman come back, and, and she's, I, I sat beside her, and, and she said, uh, I've been seeking this for 40 years, Pastor, but I just can't seem to get it. And I said, well, let's step out now, you know. And uh, see, in my thinking is th this, just what I'm telling you. It just, I just need to help you take that first step. So I said, all right, here, let's go. Let's, let's take a step. And I said, what I want you to do, just make some sounds that aren't English. Come on. We need to get something moving, and then just trust that the Holy Spirit We'll give you words. So here we go. All right. So she she goes, da la, ba da da la ba la. And then she looked over at me with one eye. She said, "Oh, pastor, that's not it." And I said, "Are you speaking by faith?" Yes. And I said, "Then that's it. Go, go, keep it up." Da la da la ba da da la la la. And she just stayed. And all of a sudden. And her hands go up and tears start running down her face and for 45 minutes she just poured out her heart look you're not this isn't faking it this is a matter but you but as long as we grip the steering wheel as it were as long as we won't let go <laughs> you can't do anything 
So you do have to at some point let go and just step out and he w- you'll feel the flow. When it comes, you'll feel the flow. And all of a sudden there's that language is just flowing out of you and you'll sense the presence. So often it's that step of obedience that steps and then the, then the flow comes. Don't wait for it to zap you. Step out and, let the, and, it, and the presence will come. Do not ask them to mimic what you are saying. Do not suggest that they repeat a nonsense phrase to get them started. Assure them that God will provide them with their own language or notice languages. Uh, I've, I've seen situations where I had a, a, my roommate in college. Uh, he, he'd been actually, he and I roomed together for three years. He was a double major, math, physics. And so you can see why we, he was paired with me. Uh, and uh, he... he uh, he began to really enjoy the presence of the Lord and all this kind of thing. And they called our, our dorm room um, in my senior year, they called our room the Ellison, Ellison Chapel because uh, people were just coming in and out constantly, you know, and we had stuff going on. And he's there and he's there in the middle of it kind of enjoying it. Finally, we'd ministered to somebody and, and the room was empty. And I, I looked at him and I said, when are you going to get this? And he, and, he, and he says, well, I've been waiting for you to push me. And... Uh, <laughs> And I said, well, I'm not going to push you. I mean, yeah, yeah, when would I ever push anyone? Yeah. So I said, but why don't I pray for you? And he says, well, I want to do this myself. I said, I think that's best. Let's do that. So I'll pray for you, and then you just go, go for it. So I laid hands on him, prayed for him, and then he, got, he put on his jacket, and out he went and got in his car and drove across. Uh, there's a, in, our, in the town where our college was, across the river is another college called Car- Carleton College. And so he goes over to Carleton College, Parks there, turns the car off, opens his mouth, and boom, out comes the language. Started his car, drove to another site, stopped the car, turned it off, opened his mouth, out came a second entirely different language. Started the car, went to another location, stopped, turned the motor off, opened his mouth, and out came a third language. God was saying to this math physics major, (laughs) this is me. By the way, that man is to this day a leader in a charismatic Lutheran church uh, in, 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 um, in Milwaukee and a, and a, strong, a strong man of God. Uh, number four, listen to their progress. If tongues have begun, encourage the person to enunciate those words and speak them out boldly. Sometimes people will start to, as it were, stutter. Da, 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 da. That's not invalid, but it's not the words. Don't, don't leave it there. When somebody's going da-da-da-da or blah, 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 just say, now, come on, I want you to enunciate. Just use your teeth, your lips. Come on, speak it clearly. And you're just helping them speak clearly. And then you'll, you'll see the flow. So don't leave them with the, that stutter. If the person is not able to speak, listen for the Spirit's instructions. He may give you a word of knowledge or some other prophetic insight to reveal what is obstructing the person's progress. This is a very common thing that I find. Uh, In fact, uh, because I'm praying for people fairly regularly, uh, even last week, uh, to, to receive. Very often, while I'm ministering to them, while I'm listening to them, I'm listening also to the Spirit. And I'm watching. What would obstruct? What, what's, what, what's, what's here? Um, I, all right, I'll give you an example. One, one woman, 
um, I, I, we, I'm praying and, uh, for her, and, and I said, uh, I felt the presence, and I said, do you feel the power of God? She says, nope. I said, okay. And then I prayed some more, and there it was again, and I said, do you feel it? He says, nope. I said, well, you know, I do. And I said, um, l- let, me, uh, let me ask you this, because I, I'd, I'd waited on the Lord, and I said, hey, what I, here's what I was feeling. I was feeling that this woman is right now like this and she's afraid to open up and, and be vulnerable. That she had been violated. And she was, this is what I, and so I tried to, how do I word this? And so I said it real gently. Her, her, her daughter was with her. And I said, um, I, I just want to ask you this question. My sense is that in some place in your history, you have been pretty badly violated and it's very dangerous for you to open up like this to anyone to the Lord you know you're afraid I said is is there any truth to that her daughter immediately answered she said and I won't tell you what she said but but the answer was yes it had been horrible and I said can I just say this to you that you're dealing with the Holy Spirit of God and he is not a man and he is not like anyone else of all the all the people all the persons in all of the universe that you can trust and you are safe with who will never hurt you. If you open up to him, if you yield to him, he will never hurt you. It is this holy God of ours. And then I said, let's pray again. She said, thank you. And I, we prayed again. And then I said, do you feel anything? She said, nope. And, and, and then she started going, oh, it's getting warm in here. <laughs> oh. Oh, 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 I feel all glowy. Oh, <laughs> it's really sweet. Power of the Lord just came all over. And then, boom, there was freedom. You see, there's a, like a key that needs to unlock. Men, some of you, it, it isn't anything wrong with you. It is not God withholding anything from you. Sometimes we're wounded. I had someone last week. Um, who's tried for years and feels, I don't know what's wrong with me, Pastor, all of this kind of thing. And as I, as I helped him through, he began to speak in a language, but he would, he would, he's a very analytical, very um, uh, um, intelligent guy, man. And so he's listening to everything coming out of his mouth. And so what would happen is he'd start to pray in his spirit, and then he'd just pull it back in and listen to it. You know, that, whoop. Uh, whoop. I said, stop, 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 stop. Stop thinking about that. Look at the Lord. Get your mind off you. Don't keep listening to yourself. Now, now, now just speak. Just let it go. Don't think it. Nope, no, 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 no. Don't think. Just speak. He just needed some pastoring. He just needed some help coming through. You follow? This is very human, very, very normal process. If the person is not able to speak, listen for the Spirit's instructions. He may give you a word of knowledge. I said that. If they have remained silent, encourage them to step out and try, but assure them that you are not evaluating them, that there is no need to perform for you. You are only there to help. Ask what's happening. Do you sense that God is doing something? If you believe the Lord has shown you an obstacle, share it humbly, and then ask them if what you've said is helpful. If not, move on. Ask, would you like to continue trying? If not, remind them that God can meet them when they are alone just as well. Please note that lesson. 
That is so important. I, I am just as happy. I do not have to have you perform. I do not have to have you speak in tongues there while I'm there. In fact, if I've taken you this far and you know what to expect, the joy for me, actually, go home, go someplace this afternoon uh, while you're alone, and then just wait on the Lord and step out and give it a try. And what's lovely is when people, the Lord meets people that way, it's like you and Jesus. Nobody else gets involved. It's just you and the Lord. I'm thinking of a young man who got uh, prayed for at our men's retreat, a lot of power, but he, uh, he hadn't come through. And uh, so I said, well, just go be alone with the Lord. So he did. He went somewhere and sat down and got real relaxed like this. And boom, the power just came all over him and the language poured out of him. And he now ministers to others. Uh, he, he grew up in a family that was very against this. Taught very much that this was all of the devil, that kind of stuff. And, and here he was free. And how grateful I am that I wasn't the one to pray for him. His family can't blame me. <laughs> I didn't do this. Jesus did this. Hallelujah. Encourage the person who's begun speaking in tongues to continue speaking for a while. Let them freely pour out their heart. There is often some form of inner healing going on. Be sensitive not to intrude if they are having a deep encounter. But when that time seems right, ask them to switch back to their own language and praise God with un the understanding. And then after a brief season free of free praise, ask them to return to tongues so they can learn to experience what they can access that they can access this gift whenever they wish, move from one to the other. I, I, I've just got to say one more thing, and I'm say this quickly, but this is important. Please listen. One of the great gifts and one of the beauties of praying in the Spirit is inner healing. The Holy Spirit begins to pray for things that are of wounds inside of you. I'm going to give you one example, but this, this happens regularly, and it's why when you pray in the Spirit, Often, all kinds of strange things will happen. I have learned that the body of Christ is very wounded. There's a lot of pain in people. And we often tell people, get out there and minister. Come on, go for it. And the truth is, they're just barely making it through the day. They don't have the energy to hardly function. The fact that they didn't hurt themselves is a huge victory. And you're telling them to get out and win the world. And I, I've seen this, uh, not, not just all over and one of the beauties of the, of the baptism of the Spirit and of this, of, of this language of prayer is that the Holy Spirit begins to intercede for some of the wounds inside of you. Example. Uh, I had a, this was one of those Holy Spirit nights. I had a man who had often had a, a very sad face. But he, he came forward and asked me to pray for him. And I, we were here. And I, I just, again, you kind of follow what the Lord leads you to do. And I said, why don't we kneel down here and just put our head in the chairs. It was right here in this front row. And so we both knelt down. I put my hand on his back. And I said, I'm just going to pray. Let's just, let's just worship the Lord. And so I began to pray for him. We're in no hurry. And all, at some point, he begins to weep. And it turns into deep sobs. I mean, he's just sobbing it, it, it was, it, it, in, in his pain. And I just kept my hand there. Just, and what, I, what I'm doing in my mind is I, I'm asking riv rivers of living water just flood. Just flood. And I'm asking, the, it's almost like the, the, the living water just flow out. Whatever kind of broken junk is there, just wash it out. This is a terrible illustration, but 
you won't forget it. Uh, <laughs> if you have a garbage can full of stuff and you put a hose in it of, and turn the water on, what happens? The garbage floats out the top. Yeah. Well, that happens. And so, you, it says, uh, so I'm just praying, Lord, just fill with the living water of God. Just come, come, Holy Spirit, rivers of living water. That's what I'm praying over his back. Well, he starts sobbing. And that went on for quite a while. And then all of a sudden, with no coaching, no nothing, I'm just, that's what I'm doing, what I've said. He starts laughing. He starts giggling first. And then he starts laughing joyously. What happened? God, I don't, God was healing something. Out came this sorrow that was in his belly. It's almost like a vomiting. Out it comes. And then the joy of the Lord filled him. And his countenance was just so different. And then, by the way, and then after he laughs a while, he pours out, another langu- pours out a language. Isn't that beautiful? Now, see, this, this is God. When we step into this, it's not like, did you speak in tongues? It, there's a whole beautiful process here of, of receiving the Spirit, of being released, of being healed in the process. It's, 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 it's part of a great work of God in people's lives. All right. Encourage the person to speak in tongues uh, and even sing in the tongues. Uh, uh, there's a reference there I give you. When they have a private moment later that day and continue to do so, doing so each day until it becomes a beautiful part of their pattern of worship and prayer. Then finally, thank God together for his faithfulness. Conclusion. Once a person has been baptized with the Holy Spirit and has learned to pray and praise as the Spirit gives them utterance, The next lesson he or she needs to learn is how to be filled with the Spirit over and over again. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the moment when the Spirit indwells and the believer's body becomes the tabernacle of God. But those who are indwelt by the Spirit still need to learn how to receive fresh outpourings of his presence. They need to know where to find protection when attacks come and how to be strengthened when they're weak. Their success and fruitfulness will depend on it. So that's the topic we will discuss next time. Would you stand with me? If you're comfortable doing so, otherwise stay seated. Are you willing to let the Lord use you to lead others into the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Are you willing that when you bring someone to Christ to say, may I pray for you? Let's pray right now. And receive the Holy Spirit. Let him come and have his way. And to feel comfortable. You say, you say I, I don't know what I'd say. Take what I've given you. you, cause, you this is just what I, the way I do it. You may find yourself doing other things that the Lord leads you. Fine. But if nothing else, read it like a menu. All right, it says here. I'm supposed to say, here's what we're going to do next. You know, you just, just do that. But would you consider... You, not other people. Because until we all start ministering, this thing's going to be, we're stuck. We want revival. And revival is when it spreads beyond a church, spreads beyond any kind of program, and it begins people to people to people to people. Things just begin to move as a wave where God begins to save and fill and do a mighty work in people. So are you and I willing to step out and minister the fullness of the Holy Spirit when we lead someone to Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we stand before you this day. We are so grateful for your word. 
We're grateful for the, what you've given us. You have cleansed us. You have taken a heart of stone out of our, of our breast. And you have placed within us your Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we are grateful beyond words. Help us minister. Help us step into the New Testament. Help us follow in the footsteps of our fathers and mothers. And to minister boldly and without shame. And joyfully the things of the Spirit. To stand in a secular generation. And walk in the Spirit. We, we commit ourselves to you. We receive this precious gift. Empower us. We ask in Jesus' name. If you're agreeing to that, would you say yes, Lord? Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.